Welcome to the Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Carezzi. It's been a, a week full of the fallout of a, a wannabe Nazi coup. Democratic insurrection. Against a shoestring establishment. Run by people who may or may not know how to die for something. stories tonight. I'll be uh, doing improvised horror stories. I'll be pulling three random titles out of a hat. I've never seen these story titles before. But once I read the titles, I'll make up the stories from there. So now that the spook vortex has been opened, let's begin. This first story is called, We Do Not Like Hot Chocolate. Charlie's Grundle served some of the best sweet treats uh, in New England. You see, Barley's Grundle was uh, founded by uh, someone who moved from Russia in the 1950s and settled up north in New England. decided to go into entrepreneurship. He decided to dedicate himself to sweet treats. The shop had a few other names while he was running it. But eventually settled on a Barley's Grundle. And it's still, it's still open today. 
ice creams and smoothies. Baked goods like cookies and cakes. Treats were so well decorated, it gave Willy Wonka a run for his money. still managed to get a big clientele and uh, cold treats like smoothies and ice cream. But the primo time to get these treats were during the summer. When all the snow melted and the green mountains could really uh, flourish. questionably said about the new owner. When he first bought the place from the Russian's family, uh, he said it was out of the enthusiasm from Burley's Rundle being present in his childhood. And he wanted to do everything he can to bring it to its full glory. probably say that the new owner was a bit of a creep. Actually, not a bit of a creep, a super creep. He pretty much thought that uh, his ice cream shop was hot shit. And it was, but not for reasons of his doing. He tried to do that thing where... Uh, you know, when there's a regional chain, they open up locations all along the region, in the state or on the countryside that they reside in. But he tried to be cool with Barley's Grundle and just open one location per big city. He had a location in the original uh, New England uh, location, one in Denver, one in New Orleans, one in Portland, Oregon. Portland, Maine, and one in New York City. And he was trying to open a location in Philadelphia, and that's where his troubles began. Plenty of people in the city of, uh, you know, of the yuppie variety, but, uh, 
lot of people saw through the gimmick. They heard about the ice cream and the smoothies and the treats. They had, some people had friends up north uh, swearing by it. Developed a similar cold following to Wawa did in that region. But anyone will tell you that it wasn't the same as it used to be. hired people uh, they didn't have a lot of experience in uh, delicious smoothies and ice cream treats they just tried to hire people that they thought they were cool you know people who had degrees at literal liberal art colleges who majored in photography or videography Spent a couple months in uh, Western Europe or something like that. Now, one person they hired, Phil, he uh, he had some good fo photographs. He was just like, "Yeah, man, I'm just trying to, you know, capture the every day or whatever." had imposter syn syndrome uh, as much as anyone else, but he maintained his cool facade long enough to get hired at the ice cream parlor. He was aware that coolness was a currency that dwindled over time decided to use it while we had it. He remembered having this conversation with another co-worker. They were talking about the flaky nature of coolness, you know, how it comes and goes. Maybe some people have it and some people don't. co-worker was just saying, oh man, and anyone can be cool, you know? At any age, at any time, you know? You really shouldn't worry about it. Just be true to yourself, and you know, so it'll be fine. I don't know. And not care too much? Yeah, I, th I think it'll be okay. Don't worry, Phil. Now, whenever there were no managers at the parlor, Phil liked to take his camera and take pictures around. Eventually the owner liked it and uh, asked if he'd use it for uh, promotional purposes. And then when he used it, we didn't even pay Phil uh, because he thought, well, you know, you took the pictures uh, on company time, therefore they're my pictures. And Phil was just like, oh, that's really fucked up. And then he stopped giving pictures to the owner. But he 
took the pictures anyway. Uh, took pictures of customers, uh, of the products, uh, the streets nearby and whatnot. Who's operating the register? Uh, someone came up and was just like, "Hey, can I have a uh, cup of hot cocoa?" And Phil was just like, oh, "I don't know how to make that. Let me uh, let me check for you." So he went to the manager and he was just like, "Hey, do we have any uh, hot cocoa here?" at him in a very grim manner and said, No, we do not like hot chocolate. Not here. And Phyllis just like, Oh, uh, okay, well, why not? And the manager chuckled and uh, said, We've heard of that white castle that tried to sell hot cocoa. Phil was just like, uh, no, can't say I have. And the manager said, well, a lot of people died. That's all you have to know. So the owner took that story to heart. Now we don't serve hot cocoa or hot chocolate. Nothing that's chocolate or nothing that's hot. It's like, well, we serve a hot uh, chocolate syrup drizzle on some of our ice creams. And then the manager said, that's different. That is hot chocolate drizzle uh, on ice cream. Totally different than hot chocolate. And then Phyllis was like, well, that's technically hot chocolate, you know. And then the manager said, well, that's that doesn't that doesn't matter. We don't serve hot chocolate, so you should let it go. counter and was just like, uh, sorry, uh, but we don't, we don't serve hot chocolate here. It's not, it's not gonna happen. It's not. Sorry. Give you anything else. It's not hot chocolate. Uh, it's out of stock. It's gone, uh, forever. Uh, don't worry about it. And the customer looked confused and sad, you know. It's not too unreasonable to want hot chocolate in an ice cream parlor. That also specializes in smoothies and desserts. All the finest, finest of treats. So eventually, uh, not too long after, the manager uh, uh, took his break, his lunch. Eating some random burger somewhere nearby or whatever. Instead of going to one of the plethora of uh, hoagie and uh, sandwich places. So Phil saw the uh, customer uh, stand outside of the. stand outside of the building. He thought about it and he was just like. 
get hot chocolate. Who gives a shit? And then Phil poked, a, poked his head out, and he was just like, Hey, do you still want that hot chocolate? And then the customer was just like, uh, Yeah, I do. And Phil was just like, Alright, I could just put some of their chocolate syrup that we have, mix it with some water, or maybe some milk or something, and uh, I'll charge it as a coffee. Does that sound cool? And she said, oh yeah, that sounds great. So Phil whipped it up, charged it as a coffee, and then I handed her the drink, and then she went on her way. With a stellar grin on, his, on her face. And in a customer service context, it uh, made Phil feel good. Uh, she was walking out, the manager was walking back in. And the manager said, oh, did she want something else? And Phil was just like, no, nah, I just gave her uh, some hot chocolate, charged his coffee, it was no big deal. And the manager was just like, no big deal. I told you we don't, don't serve hot chocolate. It's like, nah, I still got some left. Try some. The manager looked hesitant. He was tempted to drink the hot cocoa, uh, but all of his culty uh, instincts told him not to. But a sense of individualism and a need for good tastes and worthwhile lived experiences uh, beckoned him to have a sip of the hot cocoa. So he had a sip, let it sit on his tongue, and he looked at Phil and said, that was really good, but we still don't serve hot cocoa. And Phil was just like, okay. He said, in a way, I'll try to be cool, just like, all right, if you don't want this coolness, then I guess I'll take this coolness somewhere else. the end of the day. Uh, Phil was the last one there, and he was the one that had to lock up and do closing and all that. time to kill. He thought that the parlor at night was very eerie and he was super into it. He took some pictures of the bright fit the bright pink furniture. Took a picture of a tea kettle. streetlights uh, reflected onto the windows uh, from outside. 
Some people were walking down the street outside, so you took their pictures without them noticing or even showing their faces. watching pedestrians outside, uh, one of them stopped across the street and was just staring at the ice cream parlor. Starting to creep him out a little bit, so he, uh, made a mental note to just, uh, exit out the back way so he didn't have to worry about it. finished with his closing duties, uh, the figure still stood there, staring. Eventually the figure approached the store, and, uh, Phil was getting a little bit nervous, but he was prepared to say, uh, we're closed, or whatever, or if it was someone trying to rob him, he would let them take the money, because Phil had no real stake in how well the ice cream parlor did, you know? If he had to pick his own life between money, between, if he had to pick between his own life and money in a cash register, it was a, it was a very easy decision. Not even his own life, just getting roughed up or something, you know. a closer look, and it was, it was the manager uh, of the ice cream parlor earlier that day. Phil unlocked the door, and he was just like, oh, hey. And the manager was just like, oh, hi, hey, um, hi. Phil was kind of, kind of confused. He was like, uh, did, you, did you have to pick up something? Did you need something? And the manager was like, oh, no, yeah, no, um, I was just wondering, uh, do you have, a do you, do you have any of that hot chocolate yet? And Phil was just like, what, what, what do you mean, yet? And the manager said, oh, the hot chocolate, you, uh, you, I had some earlier, but I didn't have, like, a full cup. I was wondering if you had any more, or if you could make some, uh, before you closed, uh, for the evening. His voice fluctuated between, uh, a descent into madness, and also trying to seize the autonomy of, uh, the service food manager's, uh, authoritative tone that ultimately didn't really mean anything. And then Phil was just like, uh, no, but I don't, no, I'm closing, uh, dude. So, uh, I guess you can make it yourself, I can show you next time we're working together, you know. Or you can make it yourself. I mean, like, you can get, like, little packs in the supermarket or even just take some chocolate syrup and just mix it with milk or whatever. There's plenty of varieties of hot chocolate out there. Uh, you don't really need meat for that. And then the manager said, oh, yeah, um, cool. That's, that's very, that's very cool. Um, I, but I could, I could really use some, you know, hot chocolate. Uh, you know, I've worked with the 
owner of the ice cream parlor chain for a long time. Uh, born and raised in New England. I uh, came here to train some people. Uh, you know, I've worked there like my whole adult life. I don't, uh, I haven't really done much else, you know, so I'm really devoted to the company and all that and the, uh, and the manifesting de destiny and all that. And, you know, I don't often make, uh, more individualistic decisions or risks or anything like that, so I, I think it'd be really, if I could have some more of that hot chocolate because it's like a representation of just like my individuality and my my free choice and I could just really just use just like the sweet, sweet hot drink, the comfort of it, you know, going into like my uh, throat and heart and stomach, like the euphoria of just like something, drinking something hot is nothing else like it, you know, the, the shit and coffee I drink doesn't cut anymore, I need something sweet, and you're, the way you made it, it was just like, you gave a shit, like, there was love in that drink, and I could really, I could really fucking use some more of that, man. Phil didn't know how to take this, he was 23 and he didn't know things yet. So he was just like, okay, man, um, well, I can... I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll show you how to make it next time we work together. You can make it all you want, you know. It's kind of hard not to drink a lot of drinks uh, behind the counter anyway when working here. And the manager went into manager mood. He's like, you, you can drinking drinks here? And then uh, Phil's just like, yeah, sometimes, you know, it's, it happens. And the manager was like, oh, well, um, do, less, do less of that. And, uh... I'll see you, see you next time you, uh, work. Uh, tomorrow? Uh, Phil's like, no, the next day on Tuesday. And the manager's like, okay, uh, Tuesday then. Uh, see you then. So the manager, uh, left his site. Phil felt freaked out, uh. After that, he had a wave of aspirations of all the jobs he wanted to apply for uh, through his photography and whatnot. So Phil was closing up. Uh, he was pretty much done. He had his jacket on and everything. against the glass and his other hand pointing at his mouth wide open going ah ah gesturing that he wanted more hot chocolate now by Phil's uh, accurate view uh, the manager was becoming uh, manic and insane Phil didn't know how to react to this uh, it was enough to quit on the spot at least but meantime, he just, you know, just went out the back way and just kept walking. You could hear his manager screams like, Phil! Phil!
behind him and he was just like, I need it! I need it! Eventually Phil started to run. chase him down the street. Even though Phil was in a life preservation situation, he still kept his camera close to him so he wouldn't break it. He ran into uh, the uh, secluded subway terminal. Uh, Jefferson Station. The manager still hot on his tail. He ran through those long, winding halls. Eventually, he saw a regional rail train uh, queued and ready. to leave in like a minute. So eventually Phil ran on the train. The manager still on his tail. Then the doors closed and the manager didn't get in. The train conductor saw the manager uh, banging at the windows and then started the movement of the train. Phil was screaming drooling at the mouth. Slamming at the window. Crying his name, Phil, Phil. Phil didn't really know what else to do at that moment. Except he took out his camera and then took a picture of him. He took a few shots of the manager screaming. Manager growing in the distance as the train moved forward. About two days later, uh, Phil read online that uh, his manager died from drinking raw sewage. Rambling about uh, wanting hot chocolate or the perfect cup of cocoa or something along those lines. And then two weeks later, uh, Phil quit his job with the ice cream parlor. Okay, this next story is called Pants.
how can we never wear them? Wear what? Pants. Shelly just shrugged. You know, I don't know. I just, you know, when I just, I was a kid and I wore pants, I guess, and then by the time I had the agency to wear my own clothes, uh, I just wore dresses and skirts and things like that. And I was just like, yeah, what do I need pants for, you know? I wear leggings, though. That's pretty cool. That's like pants, right? Just like that, those aren't quite pants. And Shelly was just like, well, you know, I, you know, the only times I really wear pants is, you know, sometimes I wear leggings. Uh, or I just, you know, if it's like really cold and then I have to buckle down, it's just like, alright, I'll fucking, I wear pants because it's snowing, I guess, you know. Sam nodded and said, yeah, I used to, I used to know a guy who, you know, always wear, uh, cargo shorts, uh, the same pair of cargo shorts every day of the year, even when it snowed. And then Shelly was just like, oh, that guy. And then Sam was just like, yeah, everyone has known a guy like that. And then Shelly was just like, yeah, but, you know, I'd like to think, I don't know, my, uh, fashion uh, inclinations have a bit more integrity, maybe? I don't know, it sounds the same to me. I just don't really like wearing pants, and I wear them as little as possible, you know? And Sam was just like, yeah, you know, I can respect that, but I am a, I am a pants enthusiast. And Shelly was just like, yeah, I, I guess. Sam was just like, well, you know, do you think you'd change your mind if you ever found pants that really, like, struck you, you know? And then Shelly was just like, uh, yeah, I, I think so. Um, I mean, that really depends if I can find pants that strike me, and I've never, I've never found pants that struck me. I've worn jeans, corduroys, um, sweatpants. And then Sam was just like, so what, like three pairs of pants? And Shelly was just like, no, shut up. I don't know what all the pants styles are, you know? I don't I don't wear them, so how would I, how would I know? And then Sam was just like, all right. Well, how about this then? How about this then? We'll go pants shopping. pair of pants you like, I'll get them for you. How about that? And then Shelly was just like, okay, I mean, shit, if you want to. So they went to a string of thrift stores, uh, Bushwick in uh, New York. 
through some pants and also some jackets as well. Sam actually found a leather jacket that was purple and something he was really into. And he was just like, hey, do you like this, Shelly? And Shelly was just like, oh, yeah, it's, you know what, yes, I think it looks fucking great on you. That says you for sure. back then and then Shelly was just like no wait why and then Sam said well if you don't like pants that means your whole uh, ideological ide ideology on uh, clothes are in question so if you like a jacket that I put on maybe it's not the best jacket out there and then Shelly was just like alright just get whatever the fuck you want I don't care get the jacket don't get it I think it's cool if you think it's cool, that's what really counts, so you should get it if you think it's cool. I don't know. And then Sam was just like, I'm gonna get the jacket. So at that thrift store, uh, Sam was wearing the purple jacket, uh, feeling really badass and cool about it. Cashier, and then he was just like, hey, uh, my friend here needs a pair of pants. And the cashier was just like, well, uh, we got plenty of it. Seeming kind of disinterested. And then Sam was just like, no, you don't understand. You see, Shelly here doesn't like pants. And then uh, the cashier looked at uh, Shelly a little bit quizzical, just be like, hey, you don't like pants? And Shelly was just like, no, not really. And then the cashier was just like, uh, morally, or... And Shelly was just like, look, I don't like pants. It's just, it's uncomfortable. It's constricting on my legs. And the cashier was just like, well, we got, like, comfy pants and stuff. You know, we got some things that are, like, more, like, flowy, you know, and stuff. That are relaxing. Or you can get just something a bigger size and you can adjust the waist or whatever. Like, yeah, you can get something big and cozy and adjust the waist. And then Shelly was just like, well, I don't, I don't, I just don't like pants. I don't know. Find me a pair of pants that I like, and maybe I'll reconsider my stance on pants. Cashier took it as a challenge. And she was just like, okay. Got some pants for you then. They went to the basement level of the thrift store. It had just a wide collection of clothes as the first floor did. But the cashier uh, went and dug around like a pile of clothes area, some bins. back at Shelly and then went through the clothes. Looked back at Shelly again and then went through the clothes again. And then she pulled out a pair of pants. They were corduroys, uh, pretty high on the waist and they looked like they fit Shelly. 
like, uh, try on these pants. Shelly was just like, uh, yeah, alright, I'll, I'll try them on. So, uh, when she went to the fitting room, she tried on the pants. but we're still a little bit loose while compliment complimenting the muscles in her legs and ass and she did a little some different poses and it was she was able to move around in them and all that and then she was just like oh fuck so she stepped out of the fitting room wearing them uh, while Sam was waiting and then Shelly was just all like these pants are fucking awesome. And then Sam was just like, ah, I told you." And then Shelly was just like, I don't know why I doubt you. I guess I should listen to your pants wisdom more often, I guess. So, uh, they, uh, rang up, a she, so, uh, Sam bought her the pants as a gift, and, uh, a sincere I told you so. And she wore them out of the store and they were uh, eating lunch together. Getting some burgers from a bodega. And then Sam was just like, yeah, they're really fucking good pants now. totally gonna wear them all the time and then Sam was just like ha nice but what he didn't know at the time was uh she was being very literal it struck Sam Sam as just uh some enthusiasm for pants every time she'd see Shelly uh he'd be like oh hey still got those pants on and she's just like, yeah, I'm really fucking rocking them. And we got a few more times. It struck Sam as coincidence, being all like, oh, I've, uh, yeah, it's, it's a keeps, I feel like a good for time I hang out, I keep seeing you in those pants. And then Shelly was just like, oh, yeah, well, they're good pants. jokes about it, just being like, hey, do you ever wash those things? And then Shelly was just like, oh yeah, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes. Probably another month went by and uh, Shelly started to smell a little bit. 
and Sam was just like, uh, Shelly, you've, uh, maybe you should try, uh, you know, there's, we can do some more pants shopping if you want. He's trying to be, uh, sincere about it, not trying to address, uh, an elephant in the room. And then Shelly was just like, we could get more pants, but I already have a pair of pants. And then Sam was just like, well, Shelly, everyone has more than one pair of pants, you know? It's not like everyone has, they're not, people aren't like cartoon characters where it's just like, these are the pants that I wear every day, you know? You can get, you can get more pants. I'll buy you more pants if you fucking wear something else besides those pants. Shelly being offended be like, well, I like these pants. I almost never take them off. Except when I bathe once a week, but otherwise I just, you know, keep the pants on. Sam was just like, Shelly, you shouldn't bathe once a week. You should bathe more than that. Didn't you hear about the guy who never bathed and then corroded from the inside? And Shelly was just like, well, having said that, I'm not taking off these pants for long periods of time. Eventually, Sam started to see Shelly uh, less and less. Uh, at first, he thought that uh, that hard conversation kind of caused a valley in their friendship. But he was wondering if uh, the pants were affecting her mind in some way. Eventually, uh, Sam went to uh, visit her apartment. He knocked on the door, but then he saw it was unlocked, so he just said, Hey, Shelly! And then he uh, saw uh, her house, her uh, apartment mate, uh, Annie. gotta tell your friend to fucking bathe and take off those smelly dank pants and then sam was just like i know i know and then annie was just like i thought she didn't even like pants and then sam was just like yeah well i got her some pants because i wanted to like expand her mind with pants you know and then annie was just like well how, how's that going and sam was just like great it's going swimmingly thanks And then Annie said, well, she's in a room. And then Sam knocked on her door. Uh, Annie was behind him. And then Shelly was just like, yeah, what do you need? And then Sam was just like, uh, Shelly, it's uh, Sam, can you let me in? Shelly said, no, I don't, no, no, I don't think it's a good time right now. And Annie knocked on the door and was just like, Shelly, let us in, come on. And then Sam noticed the door was unlocked, and he's just like, all right, I'm coming in. So they both walked in, and they saw Shelly, uh, in her bed, she was wearing an, an 
immaculately clean Tweety Bird shirt and the pants. Now the pants were dirty. started out as were they were faded and becoming browner the corduroy uh, lines were being uh, treaded and there are already some holes uh, happening in the pants and they smell like they weren't washed in months it's like the smell of a rag you found at the bottom of a sewer Shelly was just like, oh, hey, guys, uh, what's up? And then Sam was just like, Shelly, you're really taking this pants thing way too far. And then Shelly was just like, I don't, look, look, I, I like these pants, you know. This whole time, I was just like, fuck pants, I am anti-pants. But then Sam, you turned me around uh, to the ways of pants, and now there's no going back. Sam reiterated, but Shelly, there are other pairs of pants you can wear, you know, you don't have to wear the same fucking pair all the time, you know, you can switch it up. with a pair of pants that he bought for her. And then he got a call around midnight from Annie. He answered it, and then Annie was just like, Sam, I got them. And then Sam was just like, uh, you, you got what? Then Annie was just like, I, I got the pants. I got them. I am en route to your house. And Sam was just like, oh, dude, no, Annie, I don't want to, I don't want those things in my apartment. They're gross. And Annie was just like, we got a fucking teacher, you know, her little impromptu intervention didn't work, but her wearing the same fucking pants for months, uh, 
and not washing them. Uh, it didn't work out. I stole her pants. I'm on my way to your pad. We can talk about like a new plan of how to get Shelly's shit together or whatever. And Sam was like, look, I don't want her to wear the same fucking pair of pants for months, but like it's her life, you know? I'm not gonna fucking uh, inject myself into it, you know? I'm not gonna try to control other, someone else's life. If they want to fucking ruin it, that's on them. I don't, I don't know what to tell you on it. And Andy was silent on the phone. She's just like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do with these pair of pants then? And Sam was like, I don't know, take them to the dry cleaner, give them, do the, uh, the premium industrial wash, you know? to Shelly if she still wants to wear them. Like, they're cool pants, even when they're all torn and shredded and old. She just has to fucking wash them and wear other pairs of pants. And Annie was just like, alright, well, I'm by your house anyway. Can you just, like, help me out? Uh, we can go to the dry cleaner together. Come on. Sam was just like, uh, fine. He was putting on his shoes, getting ready to leave his apartment, wondering why he ever moved to New York City. So he went outside and met Annie, and they went to a 24-hour dry cleaner. And they had some washing machines there, and they were just giving it a cycle. They were waiting for an hour. Annie got a call uh, that Sam could hear, and on the other line it was Shelly, and she was just like, where are they? And then Annie was just like, where, where are what? And then Shelly was just like, where are the pants? And then Annie was just like, I'm, I'm washing them, You're, they're, it's, uh, they're, they're getting gross, Sam's with me. And then Shelly was just like, Sam's with you? Sam was like, this wasn't my idea, you know, but you do need to wash your pants every once in a while, you know. actually made them look cooler. They were just the same as when Shelly first got them. So they were walking together uh, back in, back to Annie's and Shelly's apartment. And then Annie was just like, maybe we should put like a little bell in it or something. You know, something nice. You know, it's kind of fucked up that I stole it anyway. Some 
resistance away from the pants might like help her out a little bit. But that's just my two cents. I don't know. I hope she's not too pissed is what I'm getting at. toward Annie and plunged a knife into her and then Sam was just like oh fuck fuck and then Annie fell to the ground and then she Shelly was just like give me the pants Sam give me the pants and then Sam was just like oh hey Jesus Christ here so he tosses her the pants and he runs down down the hall and down the stairs Shelly chases him for a bit then gives up call the cops after hearing the screams and squad cars come and they arrest Shelly for attempted murder. Luckily, Annie survived. And Shelly was sentenced to prison. And then while in prison, she died of pneumonia two years later. friends she knew uh, outside of prison who came to visit and still cared about her despite the attempted murder but going through her uh, diary entries uh, Shelly made it very clear that she always wanted to be buried in those uh, blue corduroy pants and at that funeral that Sam attended not quite to mourn her loss, but to mourn the person that she used to be before her madness, before her pants obsession. So when he approached the casket to say goodbye to Shelly, she was wearing the pants. Okay, this final story is called Anatomy and Physiology The Easy Way
sure he started out as an illustrator. He wanted to do something really insane and zany, you know. Similar to the uh, hate comics he made when he was a kid. We're traversing intimate worlds, like something like Dali. structure the uh, art of seeing like uh, Egon Chile or something like that now, Gary's philosophy uh, what he thought uh, in high school at least he thought well I want to be an illustrator therefore uh, I should be very good at it so I better learn the rules so I can learn how to break them so he learned all the shit he learned perspective human study uh, anatomy things in a way that were refined and very photo, uh, very, uh, incorporate a lot of photorealism to his work. He went to Pratt and learned more things there. He did receive accolades for his precise illustrations, uh, with a photogenic eye, but... His work lacked the significant signification of the comics and cartoons he enjoyed as a kid. To bend the whim of an illustration, to show his heart or sensibility. Somewhere down the road he lost the ability to do that and could only draw what he could see. textbooks and whatnot. Did some landscape painting and portraits and whatnot. But he wasn't happy with the work he was doing. discipline and years of focus and refinement to get to the level of precise illustration that he was at. But to him, he saw it as the easy way. He didn't take the necessary risks that an artist has to make to truly develop and find their voice. But then again, maybe the grass is greener on the other side. found uh, alone in his apartment 
blood covering the carpet. He was a bachelor, uh, wasn't too close with his family. He wrote journals, he talked about his, uh, anguish, uh, about his illustration career and his sensibilities, but... Otherwise, there was no context of what happened to him. He did live in a small house in Arizona. It was a suburb, but there were plenty of uh, large expanses around him. And the color could have come from anywhere. what uh, Detective Benson thought when he found uh, Gary. He didn't know what to make of it. Even he was questioning his own career choice. He thought he did meaningful work uh, working uh, as a homicide detective. But having any association with law enforcement made him sick. often thought about scrapping his career and uh, starting it over altogether. But until then, he was uh, determined to solve this case of uh, what happened to Gary. There wasn't much to go by. He didn't leave his house often, or uh, not in a way that people, other people could register. He would go shopping for food, uh, he would do some sketching at bars and coffee shops. He had some friends that he would spend time with, like every few weeks or so. A lot of his work was remote, so it's not like someone could uh, track what time he left or what time he went to work. He would just do illustrations and send them in. Some digital, some hand-drawn, depending on what the job entailed and depending on what he could get away with. Since this is uh, an artist and an illustrator, uh, maybe there are some clues in his sketchbook. So Benson spent a night at the office going through his sketchbooks. Like many laymen, he was uh, he marveled at the uh, illustrative precision that uh, Gary executed. Casual sketch had an uncanny photorealism to it. 
witness years of the cultivation of a skill to such a, or such a refinement was impressive in any craft, and Benson certainly appreciated it. So he's going through the illustrations. He found a stretch of uh, bar drawings. Benson was uh, sitting alone at a bar, captured the faces of people and their dispositions. Their awkward movements, uh, midway walking or carrying something or stumbling. He saw an Alabama college football game on the TV and even captured the stats on the TV, which was also really impressive. second sketch at the same bar. This time he had a plate of uh, half-eaten onion rings and uh, some beer in front of him. And he was talking to a friend, or what seemed like a friend, based on uh, the look of the person's face. It seemed jovial, and seemed to look at Gary with enthusiasm, as Benson could see uh, the drawing through Gary's eye. same guy with the pointed goatee stare at Gary. There's another illustration uh, that Gary did uh, out of his window. He's drawing out the street. There are only two pedestrians. Uh, one was a woman uh, walking her uh, small terrier dog. And the other was the guy with the pointed goatee, still staring at Gary. staring at Gary. Didn't take much, didn't take Benson much to really think, alright, this, uh, this might be the guy. 
brought the pictures to a sketch artist and was just like, hey, if you can draw this guy out more properly, maybe we can look him up in a database or something. questioned the guy, and when he didn't have an alibi for where he was uh, on the night of Gary's murder, uh, he was promptly arrested. And you're saying he didn't do it, uh, but it didn't really sound too convincing. People realized he just wasn't convinced. He wasn't, when he wasn't convincing anyone, he just would sit around quiet, stare at people. Not do much besides that. Benson thought the case was closed, but something didn't feel quite right. He went through more of uh, Benson's sketches and illustrations. Eventually went back to uh, Gary's house and looked around. saw another sketchbook uh, tucked away underneath Gary's bed. sketches. It looked like a portrait and it seemed like he was staring at Gary uh, stare, seemed like he was staring at Benson directly. still had the photorealism chops that uh, Gary spent so long uh, cultivating. But something unlocked in his brain, so they could, his pictures seemed more psychedelic, more 
cosmic and some uh, where he drew people but they were off in their form to capture, capture their emotions uh, more than you would than a photorealist picture. Benson looked through these pictures and it looked like an artist reborn. to say. And then Benson said, I know who you are. And then the stranger said, well, yeah, obviously you called me, or whatever. And then Benson then said, no. I know who you really are. I know... I know you're the devil, and you made some sort of deal with Gary to, uh, so he could unleash himself as an artist. expression of the mysterious stranger uh, change. And then he looked at Benson dead in the eye, and then he shrugged and said, and? of it that uh, I'm not uh, I'm not proud of that I'm not keen on and then the devil nodded and said uh, the shootings and then Benson said yeah well we don't have to get into that now but I want to undo it I want those incidents to never have happened Unrecognizable to the shit life that I've led so far. The devil shrugged and he was just like, well, is that it? Benton nodded and he said, uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. stranger smiled and then despite the handcuffs uh, extended his hand for a handshake and then he said consider it done Benton nodded and then uh, shook the stranger's hand and then they parted ways 
next day, both the stranger and culprit and Benson uh, disappeared without a trace, and no one remembered them. Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Carezzi. 